0: Everyone, welcome back to our podcast. This is Shadow's House of Horror and I'm Shadow and today I am actually streaming alone. So we have had so much going on. I know in our last video, we said we would be posting more throughout October. Well, here we are in the beginning of December and this is the first episode that we posted since then yikes but like I said there's been a lot going on I have been struggling with a lot of mental health issues with my depression and my anxiety hitting all time extreme heights Um, I am in school plus I work a 40 plus hour job so that keeps me pretty busy and of course the holidays gotta love Thanksgiving and Kyle had recently injured his lower back, and we have been dealing with the recovery process of that, which is why he is not actually streaming with me today. He is still recovering. Couldn't exactly make it up the stairs to, um, well, get into our studio, actually. Poor guy.
1: And we really just haven't had a lot of extra time
0: to make these podcasts. But we have officially established a posting and recording schedule that we are praying to stick to, crossing my fingers, that we actually stick to it. I've said that before, and then we didn't post for like a month, so there's that. We are going to start posting episodes hopefully twice a week on our YouTube channel which is Shadows House of Horror, all one word, and on all streaming services such as Spotify, Audible, and Amazon Music. We are planning to post every Monday and Friday by at least 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We would also love episode ideas. You can send us ideas at ShadowsHouseOfHorror at gmail.com. Now, let's start today's episode. Today, we are talking about Black Dahlia. Our references are wikipedia.org, allthat'sinteresting.com, fbi.gov, realreviews.com, and if you want to see actual crime scene pictures from this case, realreviews.com realreviews.com has them i will tell you they are very shocking they're very morbid i wouldn't really advise
1: it but with that let's begin
0: with world war ii ending and the economy finally trying to go back to normal during the year 1947 things like the truman doctrine was created Americans were able to purchase the first new car since World War II. Jackie Robinson became the first African-American player in the major leagues. And Drive-In Theaters became t- started taking over the industry. <coughs> this case that we are talking about today has been credited by historians as being the first major crime since World War II to catch national attention. Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. Black Dahlia, was born on July 29, 1924, in the Hyde Park section of Boston, Massachusetts, the third of five daughters of Cleo A. Short and wife Phoebe May Sawyer. in In 1927, the Short family briefly relocated to Portland, Maine, before settling in Medford, a suburb of Boston that same year. Short's father built miniature golf courses until he lost most of his savings in the 1929 stock market crash. In 1930, his car was found abandoned on the Charleston Bridge and it was assumed that he had jumped into the Charles River. Leaving her husband to be deceased, Short's mother began working as a bookkeeper to support the family. Troubled by bronchitis and severe asthma attacks, Short underwent lung surgery at age 15, after which doctors suggested she periodically relocate to a milder climate to prevent further respiratory problems. Elizabeth's mother sent her to spend winters in Miami, Florida with family friends for the next three years. In her sophomore year, she dropped out of Medford High School. In 1942, George's mother received a letter of apology from her presumed deceased husband, which revealed that he was, in fact, alive and had started a new life in California. In December, at age 18, Elizabeth relocated to Vallejo, California, to live with her father, whom she had not seen since age six. At the time, he was working at the nearby Mare Island Naval Shipyard on San Francisco Bay. Arguments between Short and her father led to her moving out in January 1943. She took a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook, now Vandenberg Air Force Base near Lompoc, briefly living with a U.S. Army Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her. She left Lompoc in mid-1943 and moved to Santa Barbara, where she was arrested on September 23rd 1943, for drinking at a local bar while underage. The juvenile authorities sent her back to Massachusetts, but she returned instead to Florida, making only occasional visits to her family near Boston. While in Florida, she met Mayor Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., a decorated Army Air Force officer of the 2nd Air Commando Group, who Training for deployment to the Southeast Asian Theater of World War II. She later told her friends that Gordon had written to propose marriage while he was recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India. She accepted his offer, but Gordon died in a second crash on August 10, 1945, less than a week before the end of the war. (coughs) In July 1946, She relocated to Los Angeles to visit Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, an acquaintance from Florida, who was stationed at the Naval Reserve
2: Air Base in Long Beach. She spent the last six months of her life in Southern California, mostly
0: in the Los Angeles area. Shortly before her death, she had been working as a waitress and rented a room behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub on Hollywood Boulevard.
2: (coughs) She has been variously described
0: and depicted as an inspiring or would-be actress. According to some sources, she did in fact have aspirations to be a film star, though she had no known acting jobs or credits. On January 9, 1947, she returned to her home in Los Angeles after a brief trip to San Diego with Robert Red Manley, a 25-year-old married salesman she
2: had been dating. Manley stated that
0: he dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles and that she was to meet her sister, who was visiting from Boston that afternoon. By some accounts, staff of the Biltmore recalled having seen her using the lobby telephone shortly after she was allegedly seen by patrons of the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge at 754 South Olive Street. Approximately three eighths miles away from the Biltmore. On the morning of January 15th, 1947, her naked body severed into two pieces was found on a vacant lot on the west side of South Norton Avenue, midway from Coliseum Street and West 39th Street, in the neighborhood of Lemar Park. At the time, Leimert Park was largely undeveloped, Local resident Betty Bersinger discovered the body at approximately 10 a.m. while walking with her three-year-old daughter. Initially thinking she had found a discarded store mannequin, she realized it was a corpse. She rushed to a nearby house and telephoned the police. Elizabeth Short's sever- severely mutilated body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood, leaving her skin a pallid white. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for about 10 hours prior to the discovery, leaving her time of death either something during the evening of January 14th or the early morning hours of January 15th. The body had apparently been washed by the killer. Her face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating an effect known as the Glasgow smile. She had several cuts on her thigh and breast where entire portions of flesh had been sliced away. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper and her intestines had been tucked neatly beneath her buttocks. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles and her legs spread apart. Upon the discovery, a crowd of passerbys and reporters began to gather. Los Angeles Herald Express reporter... Angie Underwood was among the first to arrive at the scene and took several photos of the corpse and crime scene. Near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid the tire tracks, and a cement sack containing watery blood was also found nearby. An autopsy of Short's body was performed on January 16, 1947 by Frederick Newbar, the Los Angeles County coroner. Newbar's autopsy report stated that Short was 5 feet, 5 inches tall, weighed 115 pounds, and had light blue eyes, brown hair, and badly decayed teeth. There was ligature marks on her ankles, wrist, and neck, and an irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss on her right breast. Newbar also noted superficial lacerations on the right forearm, left upper arm, and lower left side of the chest. Body had been cut completely in half by a technique taught in the 1930s called a ectomy. The lower half of her body had been removed by transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third lumbar vertebrae, thus severing the intestine at the duodenum. Newbar's report noted very little ecchymosis, which is bruising, along the incision line, Suggesting it had been performed after death. Another gapping laceration measured four and one fourth inches in length ran long, longitudinally from the umbilicus to the suprapubic region. The lacerations on each side of the face, which extend from the corner of the lips, were measured at three inches on the right of the face. And two and a half inches on the left. The skull was not fractured, but there was bruising noted on the front and right side of her scalp, with a small amount of bleeding in the subarachnoid space on the right side, consistent with blows to the head. The cause of death was determined to be hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and the shock from blows to the head and face. Newbar noted that Elizabeth Short's anal canal was dilated at one and three fourth inches, suggesting that she might have been raped. Samples were taken from her body testing for the presence of sperm, but the results came back negative. Short was identified after her fingerprints were sent to the FBI via sound photo, a device with transmitted images by telephone and was normally used for new photographs. Her fingerprints were on file from her 1943 arrest. Immediately following Short's identification, reporters from William Randolph's hearst. Los Angeles Examiner contacted her mother, Phoebe Short, in Boston and told her that her daughter had won a beauty contest. It was only after prying as much personal information as they could from Phoebe that the reporters revealed that her daughter had in fact been murdered. The newspaper offered to pay her a fare and accommodations if she would travel to Los Angeles to help with the police investigation. That was yet another ploy since the newspaper kept her away from the police and other reporters to protect its scoop. The Examiner and another first newspaper, the Los Angeles Herald Express, later sensationalized the case with one article from the Examiner describing the black tailored suit short was last seen wearing as a tight skirt and a sheer blouse. The media nicknamed her the Black Dahlia and described her as an adventurer to proud Hollywood Boulevard. Additional newspaper reports, such as one published in Los Angeles Times on January 17th the murderer, a sex fiend slang. And another thing that they found in the autopsy was they found um feces in her stomach. So they're assuming that they made her eat it before she passed away.
1: And the examiner
0: and the newspaper and the los angeles herald express they were all basically trying to say that she was a sex worker and that she was victimized because of that and that she was chosen as the victim because of her career which was not true on January 21, 1947, a person claiming to be Short's killer placed a phone call to the office of James Richardson, the editor of The Examiner, congratulating Richardson on the newspaper's coverage of the case and stated he planned on eventually turning himself in, but not before allowing police to pursue him further. Additionally, the caller told Richardson to expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. On January 24th, a suspicious manual... Manila in reading today is just not getting long. <clears throat> the envelope was discovered by a U.S. Postal Service worker. The envelope had been addressed to a Los Angeles examiner and other Los Angeles papers. With individual words that had been cut and pasted from newspaper clippings. additionally, a large message on the face of the envelope read: "Here is Dahlia's belongings." Letter to follow. The envelope contained. Short's birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on a piece of paper, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. The packet had been carefully cleaned with gasoline similarly to Short's body, which led police to suspect the packet had been sent directly by her killer. Despite the efforts to clean the packet, Several partial fingerprints were lifted from the envelope and sent to the Federal Bureau of Investigations for testing. However, the prints were compromised in transit and thus could not be properly analyzed. The same day, the packet was received by the examiner. A handbag and a black suede shoe were reported to have been seen on top of a garbage can in an alley a short distance from Norton Avenue, two miles from where Short's body had been discovered. The items were recovered by police, but they had also been wiped clean with gasoline destroying any fingerprints on march 14th an apparent suicide note scrawled in pencil on a bit of paper was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean's edge at the foot of breeze avenue venice venice breach the note read to whom it may concern i have waited for the police to capture me for the black dahlia killing but have not I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that. So, for this, sorry Mary, the pile of clothing was first seen by a beach caretaker. who reported the discovery to John Dillon, lifeguard captain. Dillon immediately notified (coughs) Captain L.E. Kristen of West Los Angeles Police Station. The clothes included a coat and trousers of blue herringbone tweed. A brown and white t-shirt with his jockey shorts, tan socks, and tan moccasins leisure shoes. Size about eight. The clothes gave no clue about the identity of their owner. Police quickly deemed Mark Hansen the owner of the address book found in the packet a suspect. Hansen was a wealthy local nightclub and theater owner, an acquaintance of whose home Elizabeth Short had stayed with friends at. And according to some sources, he also confirmed that the person Shu discovered in the alley were in fact shorts. And Toth, Short's friend and roommate, told investigators that Short had recently rejected sexual advances from Hansen and suggested it as potential cause for him to kill her. However, he was cleared of suspicions in the case. In addition to Hansen, the Los Angeles Police Department interviewed over 150 men in the ensuing weeks whom they believed to be potential suspects. Manley, who had been one of the last people to see Short alive, also inve- was investigated but was cleared of suspicions after passing numerous polygraph examinations. Police also interviewed several persons found listed in Hanson's address book, including Martin Lewis, who had been an acquaintance of Schwartz. Lewis was able to provide an alibi for the day of Schwartz's murder as he was in Portland, Oregon, visiting his father-in-law who was dying of kidney failure. A total of 750 investigators from the LAPD and other departments worked on the case during its initial stages, including 400 sheriffs, deputies, and 250 California State Patrol officers. Various locations were searched for potential evidence, including storm drains throughout Los Angeles, abandoned structures, and various sites along the Los Angeles River, but the searches yielded no further evidence. City Councilman Lloyd G. Davis posted a $10,000 reward for information leading police to Schwartz's Killer. After the announcement of the reward, various persons came forward with confessions, most of which police dismissed as false. Several of the false confessors were charged with obstruction of justice. On January 26, another letter was received by the examiner, this time handwritten which read, Here it is, turning in Wednesday, January 29, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. The letter also named a location at which the supposed killer would turn himself in. Police waited at the location on the morning of January 29th, but the alleged killer did not appear. Instead, at 1 p.m., the examiner officer received another cut-and-paste letter which read, I've changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. The graphic nature of the crime and the subsequent letters received by the examiner had resulted in a media frenzy surrounding Short's murder. Both local and national publications covered the story heavily, many of which reprinted sensationalistic reports suggesting that Short had been tortured for hours prior to her death. The information, however, was false, yet police allowed the reports to circulate so as to conceal Short's true cause of death, cerebral hemorrhage from the public. Further reports about Short's personal life were publicized, including details about her alleged declining of Hanson's romantic advances. Additionally, a stripper who was an acquaintance of Short's told the police that she liked to get guys worked up over her, but she'd leave them hanging dry. This led some reporters, mainly the Herald Express and detectives, to look into the possibility that Short was a lesbian and begin... Questioning employees and patrons of gay bars in Los Angeles. This claim, however, remained substantiated. The Herald Express also received several letters from the purported killer. Again, made the cut and paste clippings, one of which read, I will give up on Dahlia Cooling if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. On February 1st, the Los Angeles Daily News reported that the case had run into a stone wall, with no new leads for investigators to pursue. The examiner continued to run stories on the murder and the investigation, which was front-page news for 35 days following the discovery of the body. When interviewed, lead investigator Captain Jack Donahue told the press that he received Short's murder had taken place in a remote building or shack on the outskirts of Los Angeles. And her body transported into the city where it was disposed of
1: based on the precise
0: cuts and dissections of short corpse the LAPD looked into the possibility that the murderer had been a surgeon doctor or someone with medical knowledge in mid-february 1947 the LAPD severed a warrant to the university of southern california medical school which was located near the site where Schwartz's body had been discovered, requesting a complete list of the program's students. The university agreed so long as the students' identities remained private. Background checks were conducted, but yielded
1: no results. No lead
0: had any conclusions. Once we'd find something, it seemed to disappear in front of our, our, our eyes. Sergeant Finnis Brown on the various dead ends in the case. By the spring of 1947, Short's murder had become a cold case, with few new leads. Sergeant Finnis Brown, one of the lead detectives on the case, blamed the press for compromising the investigation through reporters' probing of details and unverified reporting. In September 1949, a grand jury convened to discuss inadequacies in the LAPD's homicide unit based on their failure to solve numerous murders, especially those of women and children, in the past several years. Short began being one of them, in the aftermath of the grand jury, further investigation was done on Schwartz's past, with detectives tracing her movements between Massachusetts, California, and Florida, and also interviewed people who knew her in Texas and New Orleans. However, the interviews yielded no useful information in the murder. The notoriety of Elizabeth Schwartz's murder had spurred a large number of confessions over the years many of which had been deemed false. During the initial investigation into her murder, police received a total of 60 confessions, most made by men. Since this time, over 500 people have confessed to the crime, some of whom had not been born at the time of her death. Sergeant John P. St. John, a detective who worked the case until his retirement, stated, it is amazing how many people offer up a relative as the killer. In 2003, Ralph Astell, one of the original detectives on the case, told The Times that he believed he had interviewed Short's killer, a man who had been seen with his sedan parked near the vacant lot where her body was discovered in the early morning hours of January 15, 1947. A neighbor driving by that day stopped to dispose of a bag of lawn clippings in the vacant lot when he saw a parked sedan allegedly with its right rear door open. The driver of the sedan was standing in the lot. His arrival apparently startled the owner of the sedan, who approached his car and peered in the window before returning to the sedan and driving away. The owner of the sedan was followed to a local restaurant where he worked, but was ultimately cleared of suspicions. Suspects remaining under discussion by various authors and experts include a doctor named Walter Bailey, proposed by the former Times copy editor, Larry Harnish, Times publisher, Norman Chandler, whom biographer, Donald Wolf claims impregnated short, Leslie Dillon, Joseph A. Mace, Artie Lane, a.k.a. Jeff Connors, Mark Hansen, Dr. Francis E. Sweeney, the Guthrie, Bugsy Eagle, Orson Wells, George Hodel,
1: Hodel's friend Fred Sexton,
0: George... Noddleton, Robert M. Red Manley, Patrick S. O'Reilly, and Jack Anderson Wilson. George Hill Howdell Jr. was a suspect but like the others. He was never formally charged with the crime. He came to wider attention as a suspect after his death when he was accused by his son, Los Angeles homicide detective Steve Haddow, of killing short and committing several additional murders prior to the Dahlia's case. He was also a suspect in the death of his secretary, Ruth Spaulding, but was not charged, and was accused of raping his own daughter, Tamara, but acquitted. He fled the country several times and spent 1950
2: to 1990 in the Philippines. (coughs) Police search for remains in the
0: Cleveland Torso Murders. 1936, some journalists and law enforcement have speculated a connection between the Cleveland Crimes and Schwartz murder. Several crime authors, as well as Cleveland detective Peter Merrileau, have suspected a link between the short short murder and the Cleveland torso murders, which took place in Cleveland, Ohio, between 1934 and 1938. As part of their investigation into other murders that took place before and after the short killing, the original LAPD investigation studied the torso murders in 1947, but later discovered counted any relationship between the two cases. In 1980, new evidence implicated a former torso murder suspect, Jack Anderson Wilson, AKA Arnold Smith, was investigated by Detective St. John in relation to Schwartz Schwartz murder. He claimed he was close to arresting Wilson for Schwartz murder, but that Wilson died in a fire on February 4th, 1982. The possible connection between Elizabeth Schwartz's murder and the torso murders received renewed media attention when it was profiled on the NBC series *Unsolved Mysteries* in 1992, in which Elliot Ness biographer Oscar Fairley suggested Ness knew the identity of the killer responsible for both cases. The February 10, 1947, murder of Jean French in Los Angeles was also considered by the media and detectives as possibly being connected to short's killing french's body was discovered in west los angeles on grandview boulevard boulevard nude and badly beaten written on her stomach and lipstick was what appeared to say fuck you bd and the letters t-e-x below the Herald Express covered the story heavily and drew comparisons to the short murder less than a month prior, They're missing the initials BD to stand for Black Dahlia. According to historian John Lewis, however, the scrawling actually read PD, ostensibly standing for Police Department. Crime authors such as Steve Hodell, son of George Hill Hodel, and William Rasmussen, suggested a link between the Short murder and the 1946 murder and dismemberment of six-year-old Suzanne Degnan in Chicago, Illinois. Captain Donahoe of the LAPD stated publicly that he believed the Black Dahlia and the Chicago Lipstick Murders were likely connected. Among the evidence cited is the fact that Short's body was found on Norton Avenue, three blocks west of Degnan Boulevard. Degnan began the last name of the girl from chicago There were also striking similarities between the handwriting on the Degnan ransom note and that of the black dahlia's avenger both texts used a combination of capitals and small letters the Degnan note read in part burn this for her safety and both notes contain a similar mishap letter p and have one word that matches correct exactly convicted serial killer william here in severe sever, served life in prison for Egan's murder initially arrested at 17 for breaking into residence close to that of Egan's, errands claimed that he was tortured by police forced to confess and made a scapegoat for the murder after being taken from the medical Infirmary at the Dixon Corrections Center on February 26, 2012, for health problems. Herons died at the University of Illinois Medical Center on March 5, 2012, at 83. Additionally, Steve was implicated, has implicated his father, George Haddell as Short's killer, citing his father's training as a surgeon as circumstantial evidence. In 2003, it was revealed in notes from the 1949 Grand Jury Report that investigators had wiretapped Hodel's home and obtained recorded conversation of him with an unidentified visitor saying, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. In 1991, Janice... Nolton, a woman who was ten years at the, ten years old at the time of Short's murder, claimed that she witnessed her father, George Nolton, beat Short to death with a claw hammer in the detached garage of her family's home in Westminster. She had a shot, also published a book titled Daddy with the Black Dahlia Killer in nineteen ninety five, in which she made additional claims that her father sexually molested her. The book was condemned as trash by Nolton's step stepsister. Jolaine Emerson in 2004 who stated she believed it but it wasn't reality. I know because I lived with her father for 16 years. Additionally, Detective St. John told the Times that Knowlton's claims were not consistent with the facts of the case. John Gilmore's 1994 book Severed the True Story of the Black Dahlia Murder suggested a possible connection between Beth Schwartz's murder and that of Georgette Balderdorf a socialite who was strangled to death in her West Hollywood home in 1944. Gilmore suggests that Short's employment at the Hollywood Canteen where Alder also worked as a hostess could be a potential connection between the two women. However, the claim that Short ever worked at the Hollywood Canteen has been disputed by others such as the retired Times copy editor Larry Harnish these rumors and factual disputes.
2: The 2017
0: book Black Dahlia Red Rose by Pua Eatwell focuses on Leslie Dillon, a bellhop who was a former mortician's assistant, his associates Mark Hansen and Jeff Connors, and Sergeant Phyllis Brown, a lead detective who had links to Hansen and was allegedly corrupt. Eatwell that Short was mo- murdered because she knew too much about the men's involvement in a scheme for robbing hotels. She further suggests that Short was killed at the Astor Motel in Los Angeles, where the owners reported finding one of their rooms covered in blood and fecal matter. On the morning, Short's body was found. The examiner stated in 1949 that LA Police Chief William A. Warren denied that the Flower Street Astor Motel had anything to do with the case, although its rival newspaper, the Los Angeles Herald claimed that the murder took place there. Ewell's working on a television documentary, documentary, and revised edition of her book is due to be released in the autumn of 2018. In 2000, Buzz Williams, a retired detective with the Long Beach Police Department, wrote an article for LBPD newsletter, the rap sheet on Short's murder. Williams' father, Richard F. Williams and his friend con keller were both members of la's gangster squad investigating the case williams senior believed that dylan was the killer and that when dylan returned to his home state of oklahoma he was able to avoid extradition to california because his ex-wife georgia stevenson was second cousins with governor adelaide stevenson ii of illinois who contacted the governor of oklahoma on dylan's behalf Keller believed Hansen was the killer as he had studied at a surgical school in Sweden and had thrown elaborate parties attended by prominent LAPD officials. Williams' article says that Dylan sued the LAPD for $3 million, but the suit was dropped. Harnish disputes this, claiming that Dylan was cleared by police after an exhaustive investigation and that district attorney's files po- positively placed him in San Francisco, Short was killed. Harnish claims that there was no LAPD cover-up and that Dylan did in fact receive a financial settlement from the City of Los Angeles but was not produced concrete evidence to prove this. Numerous details regarding Short's personal life and death had been points of public dispute. The eager involvement of both the public and press in solving her murder had been credited as factors that complicated the investigation significantly resulting in a complex, sometimes inconsistent narrative of events. According to Anne Marie DiStefano of the Portland Tribune, many unsubstantiated stories had circulated about Shore over the years. She was a prostitute, she was frigid, she was pregnant, she was a lesbian.
2: And somehow... Instead of fading away over
0: time, the legend of the Black Dahlia just kept keeps getting more convoluted. Arnish was refuted several supposed rumors and popular concepts about Short and her murder and also disputed the validity of Gilmore's book, Severed, claiming that book is 25% mistakes and 50% fiction. Arnish also had examined the district attorney's files. He claimed that Steve Hottler has examined some of them pertaining to his father along with Time's columnist. Columnist Eve Lopez. And contrary to Eatwell's claims, the files showed that Dylan was thoroughly investigated and was determined to have been in San Francisco when Short was killed. Harnish speculated that Eatwell either did not find these files
1: or
2: she chose to ignore them. A number of
0: people, none of whom knew Short, contacted police and the newspapers and claimed to have seen her during her so-called missing week. Between her January 9th disappearance and the discovery of her body on January 15th, police and DA investigators rolled out each alleged sighting. In some cases, those interviews were identifying other women whom they had mistaken for short. Her whereabouts in the days leading up to the murder and the discovery of her body are unknown. After the discovery of her body, numerous Los Angeles new pap- newspapers printed headlines claiming she had been tortured leading up to her death. This was denied by law enforcement at the time, but they allowed the claims to circulate so to keep Short's actual cause of death a secret from the public. Some sources, such as Oliver's I Reacts Crime and Encyclopedia in 1993, state that Short's body was covered in cigarette burns inflicted on her while she was still alive. Though there's no indication of this in her official autopsy report. In Severed, Gilmore states that the coroner who performed Schwartz's autopsy suggested in conversations that she had been forced to consume feces based on his findings in examining the contents of her
1: stomach. Though it
0: has been reprinted in several prints and online media. Though it's never really been came out, if that was actually true or not. Some sources attributed to Black Dahlia's name in 1946 film noir, The Blue Dahlia, starring Veronica Lake and Alan Ladd, according to newspaper reports shortly after the murder, Short received nicknamed Black Dahlia for her staff and patrons at Long Beach Jugsford in mid-1946 as were a play on that film. Other popular circulated rumors claim that the media crafted the name because she that Schwartz adorned her hair with Dahlia's. According to FBI official website, she received the first part of the nickname from the press for her rumored penchant for sheer black clothes. However, reports by DA investigators state that the nickname was invented by newspaper reporters covering her murder. Herald Express reporter's evo means who re- interviewed Shorts' acquaintances at the drugstore has been credited with first using black Dahlia" name The reporters Underwood and Jack Smith had been alternatively named as its creators, while some sources claim that Short was referred to or went by the
2: name during her life. Others dispute this. Many true crime books claim that she
0: lived in or visited Los Angeles at various times in the mid 19 mid-1940s including gilmore severed which claims she worked at the hollywood canteen this disputed by harnish who states that short did not in fact live in los angeles until after the canteen's closing in 1945 although some of her acquaintances and several authors and journals described short as a prostitute or call girl during her time in los angeles according to harnish the contemporaneous grand jury proved that there was no existing evidence that she was ever a prostitute she claims that the rumor regarding short's history as a prostitute originates from John Gregors Dune, a novel in a 1977
2: novel True Confessions which is based in part on the crime. Another rumor that short was a lesbian has often circulated according to
0: Gilmore this rumor began after Eva Means of Harold Express was told by the deputy coroner that short wasn't having sex with men owing to her allegedly small genitalia means took this means that short had sex with women and both he and reporter said huge began fruitlessly investigating gay bars in los angeles for further investigations
1: today beth short is
0: interred at the mountain view cemetery in oakland after her younger sister had grown up and married their mother phoebe moved to oakland to be near her daughter's grave. She finally returned to the East Coast in the 1970s where she lived in to her 90s. On February 2, 1947, just two weeks after Schwartz's murder, Republican State Assemblyman C. Donfield was prompted by the case to introduce a bill calling for the information of a sex offender registry. The state of California would become the first U.S. state to make the registration of sex offenders mandatory. Short's murder has been described as one of the most brutal and culturally enduring crimes in American history, and Time magazine listed as one of the most infamous unsolved cases in the world. Short's life and death had been the, the basis of numer- numerous books, telev- television shows, and films, both fictionalized and nonfiction. Among the most famous fictional accounts of Short's death is James Elroy's 1987 novel, The Black Dahlia which, in addition to the murder, explored the large fields of politics, crime, corruption, and paranoia in post-war Los Angeles. According to cultural critic David M. Fine, Elroy's novel was adapted into a 2006 film of the same name by director Brian De Palma. Short was played by actress Mia Kirchner. Both Elroy's novel and his film adaption bear little relation to the facts of the case. Short was also portrayed in heavily fictionalized accounts by Lucia Arnaz in the 1975 television film who is the black dahlia by jessica nelson in the season four episode 13 of hunter and by mina shavari in the series american horror stories in 2011 featuring short in the plotline of the episode spooky little girl and again in 2018 with the return to murder house
2: <coughs> so
0: wrapping up this story of black dahlia it is still unsolved to this day and honestly and sadly it will probably continue to be unsolved elizabeth short passed away
1: at a young age in a horrible way
0: and her life is basically now talked about in a way that isn't even completely true instead of remembering the good things of her people just talk about how she was possibly a prostitute or a stripper or which there's nothing wrong with that but or um that she was um a lesbian and all this other stuff and no one actually knows the truth about it because There's just so much that the media took and ran with that you don't even know, and you really never will. And it's really sad to think that the killer just got away with it. And who knows, he probably did it again, or he did it once and went on to live a normal life, while this poor girl didn't get to live a life anymore.
1: But that is the end of this
0: week's episode of Elizabeth Short, a.k.a. The Black Dahlia. Uh, There should be another posting
2: on Friday. Thanks.